Hello and welcome to Relationships Helpline here on Feed, Play, Love with psychologist Kirsty Levin from the Parents' Village. I say Relationships Helpline in that tone because this is mm-hmm. a break from our usual helpline. Chris Minogue is away for probably about three more weeks, so we're doing something different. This time we have asked Kirsty in to answer all your questions about relationships. So this could be, and it's not just with your partner, right? Because right. all relationships change um, after you have babies. It could be with girlfriends, with your mother-in-law, with your own parents. It just affects everything. Yeah, <laughs> but sometimes it's not a challenge and sometimes it is. So mm-hmm. Kirsty's here today to answer your questions. And there are a number of ways that you can ask these questions. If you're watching us live on Facebook, you can pop your question below the video. Um, you can also call us on one 800 or you could send in your questions to helpline at theparentbrand.com.au and we will get to those next week. So uh, I do, we do appreciate that sometimes it's a bit sensitive and you may wish to remain anonymous. And if that's the case, you can send us through an email or you can direct mail, um, direct message, sorry, I get my terminology <laughs> wrong, direct message to the Babyology Facebook page and we could answer your question that way. How are you, Kirsty? I'm good, thank you. That's good. Yeah. Um, we, will, we will start with the questions we've already got here. Mm. This one is, she says, Dear Kirsty, I am so ashamed to admit this, but I think I have a favourite child. My eight-year-old daughter is a beautiful, feisty, smart kid, and oh boy, is she headstrong. We clash over every little thing, whether it's getting in the shower, what to wear, or packing a decent lunch for school. She's always been argumentative, and I feel like we've never gotten through a conversation without much drama and compromise to get the simplest thing done. My youngest son, on the other hand, is a much is such an easygoing kid rarely has an argument about anything and is eager to please. Don't get me wrong, I love both of my children with every bit of my heart, but I'm not sure the amazing bond I have with my son is there with my daughter. She couldn't care less if I'm angry, upset. We both feel so much frustration on a daily basis, so I'm feeling there's a lack of bonding here, and I hate it so much. What can I do to keep the bond strong with my daughter, even though we clash so much? Mm, That sounds really tricky, and it's really not fun to clash all that often, especially just with one of your children and seeing that sort of imbalance. And uh, she said that she thinks her child doesn't care if she's angry or frustrated or upset. And I'm not sure whether I believe that necessarily. I'd say I'm sure the child is taking on some of that, you know, hurt and resentment and, and sort of pushing back and just, you know, repeating that tug of war and not showing how she's feeling. So I'm sure it is affecting both of them equally. Yeah. Um, and so there's definite opportunity there to cultivate a stronger bond. So I think they've already mentioned that they want to have that stronger bond. So what sort of action steps, whether they're little baby steps or large planning of activities, can they undertake to actually start to strengthen that connection together? And in my mind, I think if a lot of the tension is around that sort of tug of war of control, asking your child to do things, put on their socks, get ready for school, quickly rush out the door, do your homework, etc., etc. Maybe there's an opportunity to try and think of some nice activities or interactions that you can have with your daughter where there's an opportunity for them to have a little bit of control and make some of the choices so that they feel like they have that option to step it up into their own and and take charge and use their strengths and you know make some interesting decisions so maybe there's a chance for them to ask their daughter what would you like to do together 
as an activity, what sort of things really interest you that you would think would be really fun for us to do together if it was just the two of us, let's say, um, where you get to make a couple of the decisions and I'll play along with you and we'll have some you know, some fun together in some way. That could be one opportunity. Maybe they set up a task to complete together. Maybe it's a crafty task, a sporty outdoorsy task. Um, Maybe it's going to an event together and enjoying just some time together where they're entertained by someone else. But try and figure out what interests your child, what fuels your child and, and, and makes them feel really positive and strong and confident in their own skin. And I think if they can find that sort of little balance together by doing some activities together, that will really help. But then in the small every day sense. What are the little ways that they can offer decision-making opportunities for their child to make in the household, whether it's in the morning allowing for that extra little bit of time? So I think you have to carefully think about which opportunities are easy wins and areas that are not high stakes situations that don't have sort of big risks and big implications where the child can make some decisions. And depending on how old they are, Um, for all different parents there are opportunities to give children choices and you don't have to give them open slather just make whatever decision you want to make you can say look here's a choice of three different options I'm going to leave it up to you you choose which of the three might be the best for you or you choose out of the two which might be the best for you so you can still contain the environment and set the parameters and the boundaries but offer some opportunity to choose between a couple of possibilities okay well hopefully that helps and um, I think you know she was worried about having a favorite but we all know we love our children equally and some personalities are a little bit easier than others doesn't mean you love them less yeah so exactly it's kind of being human right i don't know that's right yeah Yeah, so that's why kirstie's the expert and i'm just the sidekick (laughs) (laughs) not always not always okay this question is from a stay-at-home mum she says I've been a stay-at-home mum for two years now and I'm mostly loving it, but I am really struggling with not financially contributing to the household and feeling like I have no independence. Money is so tight now on the single income, I feel a lot of guilt because I've never had to rely on someone else for money before. I also feel a bit trapped, not having an income of my own. I don't feel I have a right to use his money for things like new clothes or a coffee with friends. It's hard to talk to hubby about it because he feels like he's not earning enough to keep me happy. Some resentment is building and I don't know how to fix it. I'm just struggling with a lack of independence. I think, question mark, any Mm. advice? That can be really tough, especially if you have been financially independent prior to coming into the relationship and prior to taking that time to be home with your kids. It's a big identity shift and it's also a big financial shift in in the household. Um, It sounds like there's a couple of things that can be addressed. So on one hand, there might be an opportunity to redefine that sense of partnership and to redefine or bring to the forefront the different types of contributions that both of you actually make to the partnership and for both parts of that partnership to really recognize that. Because when they think about their marriage, does she say to herself, well, our marriage is just all ultimately about the financial worth um, or the financial value that we bring to it? Or is it about so much more? Is it about that emotional contribution? Is it about that management of the household? Is it about how we're parenting our children that that strengthens our partnership and our teamwork together. So there's a chance for for her perhaps to have this conversation with her partner where they redefine that sense of partnership and marriage and teamwork together and what that means. And 
and understanding that at this point in time, and it doesn't have to be forever, let's remember this is a certain finite period of time where someone has decided to be at home with the kids and that does change the goalposts, but it's just for a finite amount of time. So if they think forward and they think, right, at the end of this two or three year period, whatever that might be, we're going to change our approach again. But within this period, we're going to understand that we both bring a lot of value to this team partnership. I'm contributing to the parenting role. I'm contributing to the emotional load by parenting my child, reading books to my child, taking my child to activities. They have huge amounts of value. So yes, they may not earn money, but they bring value to the family unit. Um, So understanding that and then perhaps coming towards some goals together around budgeting and getting some financial advice. All of us need financial advice when it comes to taking time out of the workforce and readjusting your goalposts as far as expenditure and costs. And maybe they need to come to a really clear understanding of how much money they have to work with, how much needs to be allocated to the operational costs of the household and all of those expenses, and how much is set aside for each each of them to be able to fuel some of their interests or their desires or their needs or wants on the side. Um, And if they're happy to allocate a certain amount um, each month or each week to that, then perhaps they'll be at more more of a, a sense of peace with that overall lay of the land financially. And then finally, I think there's room for conversation perhaps about the career paths of both of them moving forward and how they might balance out that financial situation as time goes by. So how long do they intend for one of the parents to be at home? Is there a possibility that the other one could then um, reduce some of their hours at work to enable the mum to potentially go back to work for a couple of days a week? Or would she like to go back to work on a part-time or a full-time capacity, in which case they need to understand financially how that works with childcare payments as well and how that will all balance out. But again, that needs to be a negotiation where they consider the childcare cost to be a joint cost in that partnership. It's not just something that's getting taken out of the mother's wage or just getting taken out of the father's wage or the partner's wage. It has to be treated as a mutual partnership with give and take. I find money so interesting because once upon a time I wouldn't have counted it as such a significant issue for couples, but particularly after children, yeah. it is it. It's like it's like there's uh, sex, there's um, conversations, there's negotiation, <laughs> and then there's money. It's all yeah. part of the whole story, isn't it? Yeah, and there's a lot of that sense of identity and self worth yes. tied up in that notion that if I earn, then I'm worthy of being part of this dynamic that I'm contributing. But I think people really undervalue and forget and neglect to own and recognize and acknowledge the worth of all the other stuff that people bring to their oh, relationships. God, yeah. I reckon everyone needs a stay-at-home parent. <laughs> I'm saying that because yeah. we don't have any stay-at-home parent and I think family life, yeah. having that is so important. That's gold. Yeah, It is gold. It really is. <laughs> so start asking for some gold. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if only, if only yeah, it grew right. on trees. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> okay, this is a question about relationships. Um, obviously, it all is relationships, but this uh, person says, I'm worried that my husband and I have run out of things to say to each other. Mm. Ever since we had kids, I have stayed home with them and he goes out to work. Each night he comes home and he tells me what happened at work and I tell him, what happened at home and that's it we have been talking about going on a date night it would be our first in three years wow and to be honest i'm worried that it will be a night of awkward silences how can i make this easier okay 
So the way that I would frame this is to introduce the idea of something called the sound relationship house. I don't know if you've heard of this before, Um, but you might have heard of two amazing relationship researchers and therapists, Gottman and Gottman, Julie and John Gottman, who are like the gurus of relationships. So they created this model called the sound relationship house. And essentially in this framework, um, what sustains and um, creates longevity in a marriage is those base foundations that create trust and commitment and communication. And and the ways in which you build upon that is by doing a couple of fundamental things. That is um, creating love maps, shared love maps, right? And that's all about talking about your shared goals and passions and dreams and fantasies. That's a beautiful thing to introduce into a date night, right? We don't have to talk about the kids. We don't have to talk about the household. That's boring, right? We talk about that all the time. Why not talk about in the future? What do you fantasize about together? How do you dream about what your life's going to look like in the future? What are your goals for each other as a family? How do you want to grow and improve together? So it's like a future focus thing. But creating love maps is all about also getting to know each other and what fuels and fuels each other and makes each other feel great. So there's an opportunity there to spark conversation about you know, what's tickling your fancy lately? What do you feel good about? Like, what would you like to do that would make you feel better about yourself or better about us? What could we change and improve to bring us closer together? So that might be a bit more of a deep and meaningful conversation on the side. Um, And then in that um, sound relationship house, there's the idea of also sharing fondness and admiration to build that trust and commitment. So what a beautiful opportunity on a date night to just say, I really appreciate everything you're doing at home for our kids or I really appreciate that you're going to work every day and slogging it out to earn some money for the family and having that opportunity to share that love and appreciation can also bring you closer together. And then in that relationship house model, they also talking talk about that um, possibility of, of driving into the future, but also having fun with each other and recognizing those qualities in each other that attracted you together. And part of that is about reminiscing. Part of that is about reflecting on the past. So why not have a conversation about, do you remember our first date way back when? What were we wearing? What did we do? How much fun did we have? Thinking about all those beautiful memories and times you had together is a beautiful conversation. You know, thinking back to the funny times, thinking back to those exciting holidays you had together. That takes up heaps of time in conversation when you have, (laughs) you know, you reminisce in in the past and you tell each other jokes. Um, But also connection comes from a bit of humor and silliness. And I love the idea of a date night that doesn't take itself too seriously. So I don't think a date night has to be sitting in a restaurant and having a stuffy, formal, you know, expensive dinner together. It can be anything. It can be going bowling. It can be taking a stroll. Yeah, exactly. Going to a gaming parlor, (laughs) you know, playing some games. It can be going to a show. It can be walking along the beach. It can be pushing each other by doing a sporting activity together and going cycling and having chit-chat or a coffee afterwards. You know, it doesn't have to be a forced Um, environment. So I think cultivate different types of conversations by sort of leveraging or optimizing the things you've already done together, reflecting on the past, but then also having a bit of a future focus and fantasizing together about how you're going to grow and reshape as a family and what you'd like to do to participate together. And then as part of that future focus, I think there's opportunity. If you feel like you're starting to grow apart and run out of things to say or do, Is there a joint project or a joint hobby or a joint interest that you could cultivate together? 
It could be a design project or a renovation project at home. It could be that you invest time in reading a book, the same book together, and you talk about what you're reading. It could be anything, right? But sometimes you have to pick a joint activity to cultivate that togetherness and that connectedness again. And the only other thing I would add to that as the non-expert is um, I am a big fan of the School of Life. And I noticed that they have these, they have a, a a set of cards ah, called yes. relationship starters to have yes. with your partner and you don't get you can shuffle them up and it could be anything it could be about sexual desire it could be yeah. just what was the last book that you read that you really enjoyed and and it just I know it sounds silly but I thought oh, I think what, how great is that yes because I was actually also thinking of um, what's that card game cards of humanity or whatever I've that heard game of is it. called yeah. and I was thinking along those lines but I've never played it before but I know it sparks a lot of conversation yeah. so I think that's a brilliant opportunity yeah. as well yeah. I mean sometimes you need help when you're so used to talking about exactly who put the clothes out and when yeah. you're going to take them off the line no I strike that off the list yeah. for date night <laughs> that's no go zone for date no night no go zone Kirsty Levin and Helpline Relationships on Feed Play Love will be back answering more questions right after this. When you become a parent, you enter an exclusive club, one that only other parents can truly understand. I spent a lot of time running and yelling names. Come back, get back here. But I bought him one of those backpacks that had a lead, like, you yeah. know, a monkey one. Because it doesn't look as bad. Yeah, like a disguise. <laughs> the Parent Panel is a weekly podcast that invites adults to ponder the big questions of looking after small children with more than a bit of humour mixed in. Join us for The Parent Panel wherever you get your podcasts. Now, back to your questions with Helpline Relationships and Kirsty Levin. Okay, this one is about friendship. Um, I have a really great friend who has a son uh, the same age as my son. They're both three. Because we were both on maternity leave at the same time, we got in the habit of hanging out together with the boys. But as they've gotten older, I'm realizing my son doesn't like playing with her son. They're very different. My boy is gentle and likes quiet activities, whereas her boy's... (laughs) Her boy loves smashing things up and making a lot of noise. That sounds like my son. Um, I'm starting to find excuses for us not to see each other, but I can't keep doing this. How can I talk to her without making her feel upset and defensive? Mm, That's really hard. And I guess there's two groups at play, aren't there? There's the friendship. So there's the two mums who want to maintain that friendship. And then there's the two kids. And what, what are the wants and needs of the children, right? So you have to respect both parties and listen to both parties. Um, So in that case, I think honesty and respect are what should take precedence here. On one hand, I do think if you really value that friendship and you want to maintain that, you don't want to feel embarrassed every time you accidentally bump into them because you've let that friendship slide and suddenly you can't see them or talk to them anymore. How awful would that feel? Um, It's much better off to just address it up front and say, look, I really love hanging out with you and you're a gorgeous friend. But I have, I have noticed that our kids have slightly different approaches to play. And there's a number of different ways that you could tackle it. I guess as the child gets older, they may express their own desires or wants as far as who they want to play with and who they want to hang out with. And to that extent, I think it is really important to respect the requests of your child. If they don't want to play with a particular child all that often, it's important to listen to them and to try and broker those relationships that they are really excited Um, and feel comfortable with. But at the same time, there's a learning opportunity for the child. So on the other hand, you could say, well, every now and then, I think it is important sometimes that we hang out with people that are a little bit different to us, that have a different style to us. And sometimes we have to learn how to operate and to be around different people 
that work or talk or play differently to us. And we have to find different ways to find a middle ground and to find a bit of a balance. So maybe there's opportunity there to nurture the children's relationship by thinking of alternative activities or environments that might bring them a little bit closer together. Maybe they don't meet at someone's house. Maybe they meet out in the park and there's a little bit more of an open plan there, which means they can either play together or they can play with other children. Or maybe they go to a particular play event of some kind where they have activities to complete and that might bring them a bit closer together and they'll find common ground there. Um, But at the same time, honesty, as I said, is really important. So I do think you would have to address it with your friend if you want to maintain that friendship. Of course, being really diplomatic um, and saying, I really adore your child and I really value the fact that we've been able to hang out for such a long time and we've been around each other since our children were babies. But of course, our children are going to have different personalities and different preferences and different approaches to people. And sometimes they do prefer to play separate. Would you mind if we mixed it up a little bit? Would you mind if we if we tried to come up with a different approach so that they could find more common opportunities to play and get to know each other? Or if we introduced other children into the mix to make it a little bit more comfortable and provide more opportunities for them to socialise and interact with others. So it's about creatively coming up with different ideas, but acknowledging with your friend that it's okay to have differences. It's okay to have unique personalities and playing styles. Um, But I would say if she doesn't want to lose that friendship, she has to do whatever it takes to look for those creative alternative opportunities to keep Mm -hmm. it going. Okay. Good luck with that one. Um, This one says, my husband's parents really favour his brother's kids. Mm. They take them on outings and spend special time with them on a regular basis. And I really don't think this is fair on our kids. They live near each other and seem to take every opportunity to spend time together. We've asked his parents about it and they've explained it's that we live a 30-minute drive away and that's less convenient. But I don't want my kids to think they're favourites in the family. Is there mm. anything I can do to make them understand that this is unfair? Oh, that's really tricky. Yeah. Um, I guess initially I would be questioning and reflecting on whether the 30-minute drive reason was really the reason. I know. When I read that, I Sounds thought, a bit not fishy. very far. Yeah, <laughs> it would make me very curious and a bit suspicious. Um, and... There could be a number of reasons why the grandparents potentially favour the other grandchildren or the cousins of of these kids. Maybe it's that the kids are of an age that are easier to deal with and they find younger children more challenging. Or maybe they find um, these, these grandchildren's personalities to be more challenging for whatever reason. Maybe they see more similarities with the other children to themselves and therefore there's an easier connection, right? There could be so many different reasons. Maybe these other grandchildren remind them more easily of their own children growing up and again, maybe that's why it was just an easier transition for them to connect and bond to the other grandkids. I'm not saying it's right, right, or wrong, but that could be the reasons unconsciously that are fueling that um, favoritism. But I think at the end of the day, it's ultimately the responsibility of the son or the daughter of those grandparents to have that conversation. It's not the responsibility of the partner involved to have that conversation because that can cause a lot of tension. That's my personal preference. So the son or the father in this case, I believe, should go to their parents and um, express their concerns, but to essentially have a solution-focused approach rather than focusing on 
the gaps rather than focusing on what hasn't happened in the past and blaming and pointing the finger and showing that resentment. I think there's an opportunity to say, we really would love your involvement with our kids and we really want to strengthen that connection and that bond that you have with our children in the same way that you do with the other grandkids. What can we do to help us come together? Can we, if the 30-minute trek is exactly what the problem is, can we meet you halfway or can we come to your house more often and hang out all together as a family? So what variety of solutions can we work out together to make this happen more often and to deepen the connection that we have as a family. Um, and I absolutely think, you know, you might have to chip out, chip away at it little bit by bit and to sort of um, improve or strengthen the relationship, perhaps with the son and the parents to start with before the relationship with the children and the parents and the grandparents um, can grow. You never know what's going on behind the scenes. But also at the end of the day, on the part of the mum who's observing all of this, um, it is important to recognise that there's only so much that they can do at the end of the day. It's unfortunate sometimes, but they can only control their reactions, their actions, their responses to this situation. They can't necessarily control the grandparents' behaviour or their input. So they can do as much as they can to try and meet them halfway and suggest these solutions. But if all else fails at the end of the day, all they can do is continue loving their children and perhaps then educating and making their children aware of the fact that they're pouring all their love out to their kids. They're doing their utmost to support them and to try and give them a balanced and equitable experience with all the different family members. But they can't they can't mm. change the way that the grandparents are, are going to respond. Yeah, and I mean, it's, it doesn't say here, but... It- it, it seems to be bothering her more than maybe the children. Like, do the children even notice or care? Yeah. So it may be something to... I think as children get older, they definitely notice those differences mm. more and more. When you're, when you're young, you're completely, you know... Oblivious. To oblivious to all those things. But as they become teenagers, I think they would become more aware of the tight bond yeah. that the others might have. So, yeah. yeah. All right. Well, thank you for that question. We have time for just one more. Okay. This one says, uh, I'm a new mum and we've moved into, we moved into state just before our daughter was born eight months ago due to my husband's work and I'm struggling to make friends. I'm fairly introverted and feeling so anxious about putting myself out there. I tried one mother and baby group but felt so shy I just didn't connect with anyone. I now realise how much I relied on my old friends to help pull me out of my shell but I'm desperate to connect with others in my local area for playdates, catch-ups and friendship, but I just don't know where or how to start. Help. Yeah, it's really hard. I think the key is sort of practice makes perfect in this case, and bravery is a skill that's learned (laughs) through trial and error more than anything else. Um, She's tried one of the groups and it didn't quite work but I think she's just got to go through some level of exposure therapy, I guess you could call it, and just throw herself into the next situation. So it might be the case that the group that she's tried didn't have the same sort of personalities that she felt like she could click with or it wasn't warm enough or open enough potentially, but there are so many other mother's groups out there to try. I always say to new mums, don't accept the first mother's group that's been allocated to you or the first one that you've seen and discovered because it may not be the right one for you. Try a handful in a number of different locations, different suburbs um, to test them out and use different tactics at each one. So the first thing that I often recommend to new mums is try and put your phone away when you go to any of these mothers groups. I know the phone is like the, the crutch, the safety blanket, but it doesn't work 
for approachability if you're standing there sort of hunched up with your phone and glancing up periodically. So put the phone away and make yourself feel uncomfortable because you have to put yourself out there in that situation. Be really honest when you go to those mothers groups. Don't try to stick to the sort of formalities and the small talk. I would say be honest and upfront straight away and say, hi, I'm not quite sure about how I feel today. I feel a bit nervous or I feel a bit angsty. So I'm really sorry. I feel a bit jittery and I'm not exactly sure what to say, but I'm new at this and I don't know anyone. So, you know. Hi. Exactly. Introduce yourself. Sometimes it's the awkward introductions that make other people feel the most comfortable and then you can just unleash all of the things that have been going on in motherhood, right? The other thing to do when you go to these mothers groups is to try and leverage the different situations that you're in. So if you notice that your children are playing together, that's a beautiful opportunity to say, oh, aren't they playing so lovely together? And, you know, hi, I'm Kirsty. You know, what's your son or your daughter's name? Um, if you're at a play group or an activity center, again, there's opportunity to engage with your kids, but also potentially sit next to another parent that's also doing an activity with your child. So there are other types of play groups or activities that you might be able to go to that can also help to cultivate new friendships like a music class or a, um, a paint and play type of activity which is what I used to take my kids to where we did play-doh and gluing and glitter and all that crazy stuff. So the face-to-face thing ultimately requires you to get out of your comfort zone, shake off all those nerves if you can and just be as honest and open as you possibly can okay because that always plays better than trying to stick to those sort of stiff initial formalities. Um, And then on the other hand, I think go virtual, get online. There are so many amazing mothers groups that start with the chat forums um, and private groups. Join all of those groups. So there's Mama Tribe across Australia. There's um, apps like Peanut and Mush or Mush. I can't remember how you pronounce it. Um, But they're all about cultivating those connections with new mums who are a bit tentative and want to start online and and they feel more comfortable starting that way and then they typically suggest how about we get together in real life so um, try all of those angles I would say and practice 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 yeah excellent well thank you everyone for your questions um, it's all we have time for on helpline relationships and this episode of fee play love and um, the way you can Get your questions to Kirsty for next week if you'd like to remain anonymous is to email them to helpline at theparentbrand.com.au. Kirsty, thank you so much for thank your time. You. <laughs> Cheers. Feed Play Love is a babyology podcast produced by Debbie Ning and presented by me, Siobhan Hunt. We'd love to hear from you, so if you'd like to get in touch, email us at feedplaylove at theparentbrand.com.au. See you next time. <laughs>